Welcome everyone to the Fantasy and Betting Podcast presented by the 33rd Team. I am your host as always, Josh Larkey, joined as always by my co-host Ryan Reynolds. Before getting into the week for recap, Ryan's internet provider has become his new best friend. His internet is down. He is now in an undisclosed location. He's using a backup microphone. We are not live on, on YouTube, on Twitter for this episode. We will resume our normal activities tomorrow. Let's dive right in to the week five Thursday night football matchup. It's going to be the Chicago Bears at the Washington Commanders. 44-point game total. Commanders favored by four and a half. When we look at Chicago, Justin Fields had probably his best game ever as a passer this past week. 80% of passes were completed for 335 yards, four touchdowns, only one interception. Ryan, was this a reflection on Fields looking good, showing improvements, or is this more so that the Broncos' uh, defense looks historically terrible through four weeks? A little bit from column A, a little bit from column B. Fields was good. Offensive line played well. But, you know, on the other hand, Bears had wide open receivers all day. And, you know, for the first time in weeks, saw a lot of drags, saw a lot of crossers out of Chicago. That was a pleasant surprise, you know. But to that end, too, speaking of coaching, that fourth and one call, I mean, shotgun shotgun formation, hand off to Herbert when you have a mobile quarterback like Fields where, you know, you can run quarterback power, give him a few options in the passing game. I think that that's probably going to be problematic long term for this group. We talked more about on the ground. Khalil Herbert was a, a sneaky bell cow in the, this game. 18 carries, 103 yards on the ground. He ran 24 routes, caught four or five targets for 19 yards and a touchdown. Just really, really distanced himself from the rookie Roshan Johnson in this one. But unfortunately, this Washington defensive front is quite good in week five. I expect any momentum Khalil Herbert uh, got going to probably slow down. Let's turn to Washington. The record for sacks taken in a season by a quarterback is 76. David Carr, Derek Carr's older brother, he has the the dubious distinction, 76 sacks in a season. Sam Howell right now has been sacked six times per game through four weeks. That is a 102-sack pace, which would blow the record out of the water. I, I don't expect him to take six sacks per game, but for everyone out there that's a big Sam Howell believer, that's extremely concerning because we know that sacks are drive killers. Anything to add here about this commander's team and Sam Howell? I mean, just real quick, Sam Howell is almost the perfect commander's quarterback. You know, last week we saw him. There was an utter disaster on offense against Buffalo. Then this week there's moments of brilliance in there. He, he had a big, big deep shot to McLaren that, you know, you have to be a good quarterback to make that play. So he's the kind of guy you can sort of talk yourself into if you're a Washington fan. But at the end of the day, I think, I think we need a long-term replacement there. Guys, that is Ryan Reynolds NFL on Twitter slash X. Make sure you're following him there. Let's now dive into the, the four teams that are going to be on by in week five quickly before we hit the Sunday games. First is the Browns. They're going to be hosting the 49ers in week six. So uh, definitely the, the kind of game where they need some rest. They also just got smoked by the Ravens. Dorian Thompson Robinson started instead of Deshaun Watson. He completed 53% of passes for under three and a half yards per attempt and threw three interceptions. I think we will all be glad for real football to see Deshaun Watson return. When we look at the Chargers, they will also be on by another big game for them in week six, where I think uh, the team could use some rest because they'll be hosting the Cowboys on Monday night football. The guy that I want to highlight from this game is Josh Palmer. 
up until basically the final play of the game, Josh Palmer had two catches for 26 yards. He, he looked like, uh, wow, I, why did I spend my waiver dollars on this guy? And then pretty much the final real play of the game was a 51-yard bomb that he caught. So his final stat line was three catches, 77 yards. Anyone that watched the game is probably thinking like, oh, it, he basically had two catches for 20 yards. Well, he had eight targets. And because Justin Herbert barely had to throw in this one, because we'll talk about Aiden O'Connell later, but uh, he was a disaster starting in place of Jimmy Garoppolo. Those eight targets from Josh Palmer were a 33% target share that led the team. His 149 air yards in this contest were the second most by a Chargers receiver all season. They were actually more than half of Justin Herbert's total throw depth in week four. I would start sending out some trade offers for Josh Palmer. He's not going to play in week five, probably left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths given the, the three catches. And I think uh, what the role we saw was, was about as good as it could be. The Seahawks, they'll be visiting the Bengals in week six. And they're going to play tonight versus the Giants. Not much to say there. We will all tune into that one. And they will be on bye in week five. And then finally, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers host the Lions in week six. Another tough matchup. So good for them being able to get week four or week five off. In this one, Baker Mayfield completed 78% of his passes this past week. 246 yards, three touchdowns, only one interception. He also carried eight times for 31 yards. The, the one issue, though, is that his depth of target was about five yards. So they it was a very conservative game plan, but it was effective. One thing to note is that Chris Godwin has been averaging 11 fantasy points a game this year. Mike Evans has been averaging 18. But my expected fantasy points model has them both at 13 and a half. Essentially, Mike Evans has potentially gotten a little bit lucky. And I think Godwin might be a little bit of a nice buy low, despite having a decent week five or week four performance. Ryan, before we turn to the Sunday games, did Baker look better in this game? Because the stats kind of show two different sides where they show depth of target, only five yards. They're, they're very conservative game plan versus the Saints. But I mean, we can't hate 246 passing yards and three touchdowns. I would say in general, not a lot, like a little bit, but he was better late in the game too, I'd say. But early on, he was still your traditional Baker Mayfield. Uh, that said, he did play a real defense, played pretty well in a muddy pocket. Yeah, nothing to get excited about, but at least trending in the right direction if you're a Buccaneers enthusiast. Let's now turn to the Sunday games, and we have another London game this week. We, we talked about it pre-show, and uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars might be camped out in London because – they, they were there this past weekend in week four. They beat the, the Falcons. And they're going to be in London once again where, quote, the Bills will be hosting them. This game totals at 48. That's nice and hefty. Bills are five and a half point favorites in this one. When we look at the Jaguars, Travis Etienne, he is still yet to have a goal line carry. But he does have four of the team's seven red zone rushing attempts. He has at least 18 carries in three or four games. I, I would say that in general, if you have him in fantasy, he... The fantasy points have been good, not great. I, I personally would not be too concerned. I think this offense is trending up, and the usage has generally been pretty strong. And then Christian Kirk had another massive game. He's now led the team in targets in two of four games. The other two games were led by tight end Devin Ingram and then receiver Calvin Ridley. So after a terrifying week one, Kirk has rebounded really nicely. Overall, I'd say the Jags rebounded nicely in this one. What did you see out of this team and Trevor Lawrence in week four? 
Well, I'd say Lawrence has been fine in general, but, you know, the offense is trending in the right direction. Christian Kirk had another really strong game. Evan Ingram played well. Calvin Ridley, you know, he had a big week one and it's been quiet since, but still looks good, still looks explosive. Um, you know, one thing I'll add here, too, with this game from the Jacksonville side is a couple of years ago, Jaguars upset Buffalo behind, like, a really strong defensive performance. So it's something I'm particularly interested in in this one. Was that the was that the Urban Meyer year? That was two years ago. I think right? it might have been. They they won they won like nine six. So it was, it was I remember, surprising. Yeah. They shut them down. Yeah. Let's turn to the Bills. Uh, Josh Allen, just a sublime performance. Completes twenty one to twenty five passes, three hundred twenty yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. He also ran in another touchdown. Oof, Ryan. Your power rankings are coming out soon on the 33rdteam.com. They're free to view. That is for anyone that likes real NFL football. That powers a lot of your ATS type bets. Will the Bills be number one after smoking the Dolphins 48 to 20 in week four? Number one, no. San Francisco will be number one. It's a question of will they be number two? Because if the Eagles had a loss, they would definitely be number two. But since the Eagles do not have a loss, it's that'll be a big decision for me tonight. Looks like uh, Ryan's got his hands full. When we look in the running game, James Cook has the elite role. We we talked about it last week, and we were like, oh, like it's he's looked good every week, and slowly he's starting to get those high-value touches on the ground. In week four, he received both of the team's goal line running back carries. He had one of those three goal line carries in week three, so that's an improvement to go from one of three to two for two. Weeks one and two, he never got one. So I, I'd say that in general, James Cook has this elite role on an elite offense, and he's looking like a, a pretty clear-cut top eight fantasy running back rest of season if that usage continues. Ryan, anything else to add on the, the Bills here before we turn to the non-London games on Sunday? Well, just in general, they've blown out three teams in a row now, and a good one last week in Miami. You know, you said you mentioned Cook. Cook looks better this year. Gabe Davis looks, looks better this year. Don Kincaid, I think, is going to be more of a factor as the season goes on. Josh Allen is a better supporting cast on offense this year than he did last year. And the Bills defense has been great so far. Guys, remember Ryan's power rankings will hit the site very soon. The 33rd team.com. My fantasy rankings will be hitting the site tomorrow as well. And this is, it's starting to become crunch time. The bye weeks are hitting and it becomes more and more important to get those decisions, right? We're going to be with you every single step of the way, not just, on this podcast feed, not just on the 33rdteam.com, but also in our free Discord. It's linked in all of our articles, starts at analysis, trade questions, DFS showdown thoughts from Jordan Vanek, prop bets from a half a dozen of us. It's all in there. Let's turn to Sunday games that are not in London, the domestic ones. We've got the Houston Texans at the Atlanta Falcons. This is a very low game total, 40 and a half. Falcons favored by a point and a half when I last checked. And uh, I'm curious how you feel about that, Ryan, because what we saw from the Texans this past week is that they just absolutely walloped the Steelers. The Falcons were also walloped in, in London. I'm not saying that the, the Texans are clearly a better team than the Falcons, but I, I think what we've seen right now is that CJ Stroud is leaps and bounds ahead of Desmond Ritter. Is that kind of your stance on this one as well? Oh, yeah. I mean, let, let's put it this way, Josh. I think Desmond Ritter might be the worst starting quarterback in football right now, and I haven't seen anything to give me optimism that that's going to change. And on the other side of things, if you were going to ask me who have been the most impactful quarterbacks through the first four games, Josh Allen's number one, Matthew Stafford's number two, Justin Herbert's number three, 
And CJ Stroud's number four. You really couldn't have asked for more of them from this this to this point. And one thing that I find interesting is the Texans offensive line's been down four starters. They could, they don't have an effective running game because of it, but you know, Stroud's passing attack is he still doesn't even have an interception, too. It's kind of remarkable at this point. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Three straight games now with at least 280 passing yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, and 20 fantasy points. This is also an offense that we were not optimistic about heading into the year for the past game because of the lack of pass catchers. And sure enough, even with a Motley crew, he's getting it done. Through four games, Nico Collins is now averaging eight targets, five and a half catches, 107 yards, and 20.7 PPR fantasy points a game. That's about as good as it gets. Anything else here to add with the Texans before we look at this very, very underwhelming Falcons team? And you have to give their defense credit, too. They shut down the Steelers completely. It felt like the Texans had the ball all game yesterday. And then the week before, they shut down Jacksonville, too. So, I mean, I'm not sure I want to bet on it to last, but so far the Texans have been a scrappy, overachieving football team that is kind of dangerous right now. We only gave out a couple win totals in the futures markets earlier this offseason. And one of our two highest conviction ones was Texans yeah. over five and a half wins. Yeah. That ended up closing at over and under six and a half. And right now, that is, uh, we're feeling pretty good about that one. So let's yeah. hope that this continues and that Stroud just continues to get better. When looking at the Falcons, Desmond Ritter's taken at least four sacks in all but one game this year. The, like you said, this is uh, maybe the hardest passing offense to watch in the NFL this year. Uh, would you say that the Panthers are the second toughest watch at this point? Is that how we'd like unpower rank them as we go? Falcons, toughest watch. Panthers, second toughest watch. I think given the supporting cast they have in Atlanta, yeah, it's harder to watch them because Bryce Young doesn't really have a whole lot to work with where that's Desmond Ritter <laughs> does. You know, you could say that the Falcons have a top 10 offensive supporting cast for a quarterback even. Yeah, when you look at the most receiving yards in a game by a Falcons player this year, it's Johnny Smith, week four. He had 95 yards. Then there's Drake London in week two who had 67. And then Mac Hollins in week two as well was third with 60. This is simply uninspiring. You really cannot start any of these Falcons pass catchers on a week-to-week basis right now. Let's turn to the Panthers at the Lions. Game total is not too high. It's only at 43.5, but the Lions are nine-point favorites. When we look at the Panthers, Miles Sanders was pretty limited in practice this past week. Was he hurt? I'd say probably. Ultimately, Chuba Hubbard outsnapped him and outcarried him and ran more routes Anyone that started Miles Sanders was very disappointed. The The Vikings' run defense continues to look like it's for real. They've had three very, very strong showings, and the only time they didn't perform was against the Eagles in Week 2, the, the big DeAndre Swift game. And, hey, the Eagles' uh, run game, uh, it's a good one. I don't think that's a reflection on the Vikings. And I think that we should just continue to be a little bit concerned about running backs that play the Vikings. Also with the Panthers, I'd say that Adam Thielen – like our guy Jordan Vanek was saying this offseason, he looks like a wide receiver three-type flex. He now has three straight games where his target share is at least 25%. Adam Thielen starting to turn back the clock as a Panther. Anything to add here, Ryan? And how did Bryce Young look in his return? In some ways, I actually think this was his worst game so far because he's had his moments where you can tell that like this guy's a premium talent and he's going to be fine long-term. But this was a pretty dicey performance against a pretty vulnerable Vikings defense. So 
not much optimism in the short term, at least. But, you know, after their bye week, I think it's in week seven, Carolina's schedule gets easier. So we'll see if they have some improvement then. More return to the Lions statement win on Thursday night against the Packers. This game was not nearly as close as the box score would indicate. There was just a lot of Jordan Love in garbage time. With the Lions, if if you're trying to figure out Jameer Gibbs, essentially, when he's on the field, he's heavily utilized. He's been targeted on 30% of his routes this year. Essentially, every three times that he runs a route, the ball goes to him. The problem is he's only run 15 routes per game this year. That's actually quite low. For context, uh, when I mentioned Chuba Hubbard, a minute ago, he ran 16 routes this past week. And Jameer Gibbs has also not been efficient with the receiving yardage. Just 1.2 yards per route run. Optimistically, we could say that he's getting targeted a lot. Hopefully the routes tick up. Pessimistically, the the inefficiency uh, is a little bit concerning. So I'd say at this point, someone asked me on Twitter earlier today, at tweets. They they said, who do you prefer rest of, se- rest of season, Jameer Gibbs or Devon A-Chain? I said, I think I start to lean A-chain simply because the the team actually is playing him. And these are two good offenses, definitely an edge to the Dolphins. And I think David Montgomery is probably a bigger hurdle than a Raheem Mostert or a Jeff Wilson. For those that uh, cannot see, Ryan is nodding in agreement. Ryan, what what would you like to add here? Because as a, a noted film grinder, have you seen anything out of Gibbs that makes you lean towards the optimistic or the pessimistic side for him? I think right now we have to treat him as a premium stash, essentially. Uh, Montgomery's a good player, you know, and Detroit's a tough physical football team. He's He fits right in that mix, just like Jamal Williams did last year. So I think Gibbs has a ton of potential. It's kind of odd that we haven't seen more, what's the word I want to use here, not even like voluminous usage in the passing game, but more like purposeful because he is a dynamic athlete. But again, in between the tackles, you know, Dave Montgomery is going to lead the team in carries. You and I bet on that essentially before the season started through best ball. So that's no surprise really. And I expect that to continue. And then uh, talk to me a little bit about this Detroit defense, because I'm starting to get concerned about playing fantasy skill players and quarterbacks just against them in general. I'm going to be very, very uh, bearish on all Panthers for this week five matchup am i right to be fairly concerned yeah especially this week i mean there's not really a whole lot of panthers want to play in general you know like you said jordan vanek's been on adam thielen he's exceeded expectations but you know detroit played their first complete football game last week against green bay no it was either the offense played really well or the defense played very well to that point last week we saw it when both of them were firing and they've been very good against against the run too so far so i have no interest in any panther this week at least you know at this point you heard it here first, Ryan, Jaguars guy, not a Panthers guy. We'll get more big cat advice from him later. And until then, let's turn to the Tennessee Titans at the Indianapolis Colts. Game total is only at 41 and a half. Colts currently one and a half point favorites. When we look at the Titans, this was a good day for the big dog. Massive upset. They blew out the Bengals. 22 carries, 122 yards and a touchdown. Five and a half yards per carry. We'd love to see that. Tajay Spears ran 17 routes to Derrick Henry's 13. So at least that was close as well. Henry's been a tough one this year where obviously you start him every single week. And it, it, it certainly seems like there might not be a more game script dependent running back in terms of the, the range of outcomes where if the game is close, Tennessee wins. He's probably going off. If Tennessee is not functioning well on offense, you're probably looking at several fantasy points and nothing more. 
anything to add here about the the Titans in what will probably be their signature win of the season? Yeah, I have a few things to say about it. First, their their front four won that game last week against the Bengals. They beat the Daylights out of Joe Burrow all day. Some he took some brutal, brutal hits. That's why the Bengals offense didn't work. And for Derrick Henry, not only did he have a good game, but you know, we said before that he looked sluggish. You know, you get the ball, takes a little bit, a little bit of time for a guy like that to get going. He's more of a you give him any kind of room, he's out of here. He's because guys like him shouldn't be that fast. He looked quicker, his acceleration looked better this week, which was, you know, that's kind of something that doesn't normally just suddenly get better. So that's encouraging. I'm going to throw something in here with Spears too. Spears had this run that was left side off tackle where he dropped it, then came back all the way around to the right and ripped off like a 15 yard run. That dude is a dynamic athlete. If you have room to stash someone, I'm certainly doing it with Spears. When we look at the Colts, Anthony Richardson has reached 10 carries in both of his full games this year. That is looking like maybe my biggest miss of the season for fantasy was not being in on the rookie because Historically, rookie quarterbacks have been pretty terrible bets. Richardson is kind of forging his own path here, and he's one of the most exciting players in the NFL to watch now on Sundays. When we look at Zach Moss, just an absolute bell cow once again. At least 18 carries each of the past three games. He only had seven fantasy points this past week, but he did a four goal line carries against the Rams. And all of that has gotten me very, 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 very excited for Jonathan Taylor. Because Jonathan Taylor according to Shane Steichen, their head coach, is going to be practicing on Wednesday. He is eligible to return from the pup list this week. I think Jonathan Taylor looks like uh, he could very well be a top five fantasy running back rest of season, given how effective this Colts offense has looked. And uh, I think he might end up within a week or two looking as good as the RB3 rest of season behind Christian McCaffrey and then maybe one of Bijan Robinson or, or Tony Pollard. Anything to add here about the the Colts and how Richardson looked in his return? Uh, I think the closest parallel I can give you is rookie year Cam Newton. You know, actually like better passer than we expected, dynamic runner. It's going to be interesting to see how they how they match up against the Titans this week because you can beat the Titans in the air, but their front four is a dangerous, dangerous group as we saw last week. So that's actually one of the things I'm looking forward to seeing most this week. Yeah, this will be a, a big, tough test for him up ahead. We can turn to the New York Giants at the Miami Dolphins. Extremely high game total, 49.5, being carried by the Dolphins, who are 9.5-point favorites. The Giants will host the Seahawks tonight on Monday Night Football. Let's turn to the Dolphins. Tua Tagovailoa, he had a, a fine day statistically. Completed over 70% of his passes, 282 yards, threw a touchdown, threw a pick. But uh, he was sacked four times. That's very concerning. This is a player that has the the worrisome concussion history. He had only taken one sack through three weeks. He took his, and he actually takes four in week four against the bills. Who should we pin this dolphins loss on? I'm inclined to think it's the defense that led up 48 points, but maybe you saw some stuff out of Tua that was a little bit worrisome as well. I'd actually put it more on just the bills. The bills played lights out on both sides of the ball. Defensively, they achieved pressure. Miami's going through some offensive line injuries now. So I'm, I'm going to treat it mostly as a mulligan if I'm being honest. When we look at the Dolphins' run game, Devon A. Chan took over 38 snaps to Raheem Mostert's 24. He only had eight carries to Mostert's seven, but A. Chan's eight carries went for 101 yards and two touchdowns. Mostert's seven carries went for nine yards. A. Chan also ran 28 routes to Mostert's 16. I have gone on record and said that A. Chan is someone that I think we, we have Christian McCaffrey, Bijan Robinson, 
Tony Pollard, Austin Eckler. Those are guys that I want over HN rest of season. And I think it's pretty obvious. After that, I can't really confidently say that I would take any other running backs ahead of him right now in fantasy. I think there's guys I would lean towards like a Josh Jacobs or a Travis Etienne probably, but I actually think HN's in that conversation because in week three, we saw him get it done with efficiency and volume. In the week four, we saw him get it done with efficiency. And I think it's very self-aware that they know they can't just give this guy 20 touches every single week. And that even on an 11 touch performance, he still scored 27 fantasy points. It's a reflection of A-Chan. It's a reflection of his fit in this offense. And I think we should all be very, very bullish on his rest of season outlook. I know Jeff Wilson might return at some point, but guys, Raheem Mostert, terrifying injury history. Jeff Wilson, terrifying injury history. There's not much investment in either of these players. A-Chan was their third round pick this year. And if he already separated himself from Mostert with usage in week four, I don't know why we should think they're going to hold him back for the remainder of the season. Ryan, any other thoughts here before we move on to the AFC East or AFC North divisional matchup? One thing that I thought was interesting with A-Chain was he's seeing some jet sweeps, which is purposeful usage too. It's not a traditional, you know, like you hand the ball off to a running back. That's different than a jet sweep. So we can't expect like 100 yards on eight carries. That's not sustainable, but definitely huge upside in that offense. Very interesting. One thing I'm going to say here is, you know, we, we know Tyreek Hill. We know Jalen Waddle. We know the run game is effective, but Durham Smythe and Braxton, Braxton Berrios are two very good role players. My biggest concern here right now with the Dolphins is, again, offensive line injuries that can change what they can do potentially. But, you know, unless the Giants pass rush gets home next week, Big Blues is going to be going to have their hands full in a bounce back spot with Miami. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, Big Blue, as we alluded to, they'll be on a short week considering that they play tonight. I'll also add that, uh, you know what, lost train of thought. We're just going to move on to the Baltimore Ravens at the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Game total is low at 40 and a half. And these Steelers are four and a half point dogs hosting the Ravens. When we look at the Ravens, Lamar completed four out of five passes on the day threw for two touchdowns, ran in two more against what looked like a pretty stonewalled uh, Browns defense through three weeks. It was good to see Lamar in this offense be more than functional against them. And Lamar now has back-to-back games with at least 30 fantasy points. Yet he only has 50 pass attempts over the past two games. So that's 25 attempts a game. I think there's still meat on the bone there for his fantasy performance for this offense's ceiling in general. Ryan, you've been a little skeptical about Lamar this year. Not that you would aren't interested in him in fantasy, but more so that you felt like this Ravens offense still had a lot to work on. Are you getting more and more encouraged? Because I still don't know if they've reached their final form. And at this point, they just scored maybe as many points against the Browns in week four as they'd allowed through three games. Yeah, that's that's an interesting point you make at the end there against the Browns. Cleveland's been lights out. Premium front, premium secondary. You know, my opinion on Lamar Jackson hasn't really changed. Like, he's fine as a passer. He has his moments as a passer. But at the end of the day, what he does is he's an historic runner. And that's what I think we saw last week for the most part. And, you know, the Ravens are a reliable team. Played really well in a bounce-back spot after a disappointing loss to the Colts last week. So there's not there's nothing that's too surprising about that. One other thing I'll mention is that Gus Edwards – was an absolute workhorse in this game. I'm not quite sure if that continues. Might just be that Justice Hill's toe injury was still lingering. But Edwards had 15 carries. Melvin Gordon, Justice Hill each had three apiece. And the big Gus the Bus ran 16 routes when no other running back on this team ran more than four. Something to monitor. 
an offense we like. J.K. Dobbins out the rest of the season. Gus Edwards is one of the most efficient running backs in NFL history, averaging over five yards per carry every season. Let's turn to the Steelers. You and I were looking before the show started. It does not look like there's any big updates on Kenny Pickett. I believe it's an MCL or knee injury. Looks like he's going to miss multiple weeks. All that I can find is that it is not believed to be season ending. That's me screams that we are unfortunately going to have to sit through multiple, multiple weeks of Mitch Trubisky. That is a big concern. Also, Pat Fryermuth has a potentially serious hamstring injury. Apparently, he's getting tests on that today. and He's going to some specialists. Generally, you don't go to a specialist if it's a minor injury. So they already have Deontay Johnson on injured reserve due to a hamstring. Pat Fryermuth could be next. The one other thing I'll say, it feels like I'm bashing the Steelers. Here's a positive, everyone. If you have Jalen Warren on your fantasy team, at this point, my expected fantasy points model thinks he should be averaging two more fantasy points a game than Najee Harris. And in fact, he is. And it's because of how much pass game work he's been getting. Najee Harris, only two targets a game this year. Jalen Warren, five and a half. I've talked about it so many times. I've talked about it in my running back archetype series. We want our running backs involved in the pass game, regardless of scoring format, but especially in PPR. Ryan, this this Steelers team at this point, it's now handed off to Mitch Trubisky. He doesn't have Deontay Johnson. He doesn't have Pat Fryermuth. What, what should we be expecting from them after an embarrassing loss in week four and now a tough test in week five against the Ravens? Yeah, I mean, long-term, Kenny Pickett's not a great quarterback by any means, but he has his, he's fine. He has his moments. He's especially been good in late in games. Moving from him to Trubisky now, you take a volatile offense, make it even more volatile, lowering the ceiling, lowering the floor. And, you know, Steelers have had a great defense for a long time, but, and, you know, in particular, they've given Lamar Jackson trouble over the years, but, this is, you know, we saw this last year that when the Steelers didn't have picket, they're they can lose to anyone, unfortunately. Let's turn to uh, another week five matchup. This will be the New Orleans Saints at the New England Patriots. The game totals low at 39. Patriots, one and a half point favorites. This truly feels like a pick 'em. Both these uh, teams are going to need to rebound after week four. We look at the Saints. Derek Carr had a terrible game, one of the worst of his career. 37 pass attempts resulted in 127 yards. That is under three and a half yards per attempt. He had a very similar stat line with efficiency to Desmond Ritter this past week. I do not like that. And then one thing that's interesting about Alvin Kamara is that it's still Alvin Kamara. This was a player that you and I were quite bullish on as the, the summer moved along. And we were like, guys, he, he's only missing three games. He probably shouldn't be going in the seventh, eighth round of fantasy. This past week, he had 11 of 13 running back carries. And then uh, the real kicker is that he caught 13 of 14 targets for 33 yards. I cannot remember who the source was, but apparently among all players with at least 13 catches, the previous low for receiving yards was 71 from what I read. So he he totaled 33 yards in this. It was kind of a story of how this game went for the Saints. What did you see out of Derek Carr? Because this is someone that was supposed to miss this game with the AC joint sprain. He played anyway. I assume you also think that might've been a bad decision. I'm actually torn. I, I think it was a good decision from a leadership standpoint, from a play playability standpoint. Um, I know there was a, a play in the middle of the game where Olave got deep and Carr just short-armed him. You know, he short-armed him, a, a short-armed a number of players during this week, but and like, what was Alvin Kamara's line? I think he had 13 receptions for 33 yards. That has a lot. That has a lot to do with Derek Carr's arm injury right now. So, 
good decision on leadership standpoint. I think that game would have been much, much closer if Carr was at 100%. When we look at the Patriots, this was actually the closest that we'd seen Ramondre Stevenson and Ezekiel Elliott in the passing game in terms of routes run. Ramondre was running more than two, nearly three times as many routes per game through three weeks. And then week four, Ramondre Stevenson ran 17 routes. Ezekiel Elliott ran 15. You might be like, Josh, we don't care about routes. Why do you care about routes? It is simply because Ramondre Stevenson's path to fantasy relevance is through the passing game. At no point were we expecting Ramondre Stevenson to be some 12, 13, 1400 rushing yard type guy. His value comes in the pass game. Ezekiel Elliott Apparently still pretty good at pass blocking, still fairly trusted by NFL coaching staffs. And then in the passing game, Hunter Henry remains the only Patriots pass catcher that you can really start each week with any kind of confidence in fantasy. So after thinking that I was going to really have to just eat it for not being a Kendrick Bourne guy, this week four reminded me why I've not been a Kendrick Bourne guy. And I think these next few weeks, we'll, we'll kind of see if there's anyone out there that we can start that's not named Hunter Henry in this past game. They got shellacked. I believe it was 38 to three by the Cowboys. Was this just the Cowboys defense is still really good? Or did you see some concerning stuff from Mac Jones who was taken out of the game for Bailey Zappi late? I think this was Bill Belichick's most lopsided loss in his career, which is astounding to even think about. I know the biggest surprise for me is New England kind of came out pass heavy, which especially after what Arizona did last week, I was not expecting that at all. Um, so it's a bit, of, a bit of both. Mac Jones has been better so far this year. But, you know, he was under consistent duress all, all game. So, yeah, I, pulling him in the third quarter is a bit alarming because that means he has a short lease in general, I'd say. But, you know, the Saints don't exactly have a, you know, they have a pretty good defense themselves this week. So this could be a, a game where if Mac Jones plays poorly again, maybe they make a switch long term. Let's turn to the Philadelphia Eagles at the Los Angeles Rams. Game total is pretty high at 48. Rams are five-point underdogs at home. When we look at the Eagles – Guys, DeAndre Swift has arrived. He still arrived. I, I think at this point, borderline top 10 fantasy running back rest of season. You can see Ryan starting to nod in agreement. This is a player we were very excited about. Week one terrified us, but week two onward, DeAndre Swift, 142 snaps, more than double any other running back, 58 carries. No other Eagles running back is more than 18 since then. And he has twice as many routes run as Gainwell over these past few weeks. And DeAndre Swift's nine targets are more than the five combined targets for other running backs on the Eagles since week two. Guys, we have a workhorse running back with breakaway speed in maybe the most functional run game in the NFL. This is very exciting. Jalen Hurts threw for 300 yards for the first time this year against the Commanders in what ended up being a very close week four game. What did you see out of the Eagles who snuck this one out in overtime and remain 4-0? You know, similar to Detroit before the Packers game last week, the Eagles are 4-0, and they haven't played a complete game yet. We've seen their their defense win in New England. We've seen their run game play, you know, extremely well in multiple games now. And Jalen Hurts had his best game of the season last week, I'd say. But they let a Sam Howell commanders team take them out of overtime at home last week. So I would like to see a complete effort sooner than later. You know who's been giving a complete effort? Guys, l listen to this transition. Matthew Stafford. You talked about how he's probably the, the second most valuable player in the league right now in terms of what the team's been asking him to do. He has at least 300 passing yards in three or four games. Pukunakua had a nice bounce back game here. Caught nine of 10 targets, 163 yards and a touchdown. But don't let that distract you from the fact that Tyler Higby quietly led this team with 11 targets. 
he only caught five for 64 yards, but I think that was actually very encouraging to see that they were once again getting him involved. This is someone that was targeted at a very high rate last year, and he'd been a little bit disappointing through three weeks, and this, this big game kind of uh, brings all the stats back to normal. Again, we're only four weeks in. The, the one thing that still is surprising me is that Kyron Williams is just one of the most bell cowy bell cows in the NFL. He's averaged 16 carries and five and a half targets per game. He has 20 and a half fantasy points a game. And my expected fantasy points model actually thinks he should have 21 PPR fantasy points a game, just based on his usage where he's seeing his touches. He's 195 pounds. I, I just don't know if this can continue. Have you seen anything out of him to make you think that he's anything more than replacement level and anything else to add about the the Ravens or the, the Rams with their pass game? He's a good, smart player, but yeah, he's not like a dynamic athlete or anything where he's, that's, he's, that's the sort of position where next year I'm, I'm sure they're going to look for an upgrade. And, you know, to, to answer your other question, Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay should be given Nobel prizes through, through the first four weeks of the NFL season. What they've done with the supporting cast they have, is just remarkable. You know, I just, you know, Puka Naku is a smart, solid player, but he's not exactly Jerry Rice, but he's producing like Jerry Rice. It's, you know, nothing but positive things to say about this team at this point. Let's turn to a team that we might not have a lot of positive things to say about, which is the Bengals, who travel to Arizona to face the Cardinals. Game total is 42.5. Cardinals are only 3.5-point underdogs at home. I think that reflects just how poorly the Bengals have played. The, the one positive before we uh, just start to crush them is that Joe Mixon has 59 of the team's 66 running back carries. That is nearly 90%. And he has 13 of the team's 19 running back targets. I hate to say this. I've said it uh, a couple weeks ago. I still think Joe Mixon might be a nice buy low rest of season because if this Bengals offense gets back on track, he's really been the only one that's been getting touches. There's just nobody proven behind him. Travion Williams, Chris Evans, Chase Brown. These are all just guys. Joe Mixon looks like the, the focal point in this run game. Ryan, Joe Burrow has been under five and a half yards per attempt in all four games this year. T Higgins is now nursing a rib injury. He might miss some time. Is there any hope here? This Cardinals team has been pretty feisty. Can they get back on track after what should have really been their back on track game when they faced a beatable Titans secondary this past week? I mean, the problem here is Joe Burrow has a lower extremity injury and the offensive line has been worse than we expected coming into the year. So it boils down to their pass rush. Burrow can't evade like he normally can when he's at full strength. So the Cardinals have been a high-effort team, have been an overachieving team to this point. If they give a similar effort in Week 5 and through four games, there's no reason to think that they're not going to. They can actually beat Cincinnati. Wouldn't surprise me in the slightest at this point. When we look at the Cardinals, mostly just good things to say. Josh Dobbs, he had the heartwarming video where the Cardinals responded, where Dobbs went to the team store and couldn't find his jersey. And then he went to the pre-made custom jersey kiosk, and apparently you couldn't even custom jersey him. Apparently that's that's changed. He put out a follow-up video. It's very, very feel-good story. You can now buy a Josh Dobbs jersey if you go to a game. He's thrown four touchdowns, no interceptions. He's taken... Only six total sacks through four games. He's averaging more than 17 fantasy points per game. I don't really know if this is the week, but I'd say that Dobbs is starting to enter the fantasy streaming conversation and still Kyler Murray returns simply because he's got a little mobility and this, this Cardinals offense has been much more functional than expected. The one thing I'll say that's not extremely glowing 
is simply that I don't think we can get too excited about wide receiver Michael Wilson yet. Some people are very excited because he caught all seven targets for 76 yards and two touchdowns. What I am seeing as a usage guy is the 17% target share where both Marquise Brown and Zach Ertz had more targets than him. And he's probably not going to catch all seven of his targets each week. And Josh Dobbs is probably not going to drop back 47 times a game like he did this past week. He hadn't dropped back more than 33 times in a game prior to this past week against the Niners. I do not believe this is ever going to be a high volume passing attack with Dobbs. So with our waiver column from Nick Botterford, you'll see we, we like Michael Wilson, but I don't believe this is a Josh Palmer type from last week. This isn't the Puka Nakua type receiver. This is a much lesser version of that. Ryan, anything to add here to the continually feisty Cardinals team? It's one of the groups that I, I had them in like as like a bottom five group entering the year. I don't think I've been more off on any group than them. They're probably a middle of the pack group at this point. And to, to the Josh Dobbs point, I think if someone signed him as a backup quarterback next year for a three-year, $30 million deal, might be a steal. He's been really, really rock solid, better than I would have ever imagined. Yeah, uh, one of the few guys that can make more money not working at NASA. So good for Josh Dobbs. Let's turn to, I'm going to call this the fantasy points game of the week because it is Kansas City. Traveling to the Minnesota Vikings game totals nice and hefty, hefty, hefty at 52 and a half. Vikings are five and a half point underdogs at home. When we look at the Chiefs, I watched the game last night. I'm sure you watched the game last night. It was a tough day for Patrick Mahomes. Only 203 passing yards. He threw two picks. Both the picks were these extremely weird passes. I mean, you you watch every snap of every game. You've been doing it for the past decade. Ryan, have you ever seen two Patrick Mahomes throws in the same game where he short arms a receiver by at, like, at least four or five yards like he did last night? I've seen him miss people by a wide margin. I don't think I've ever seen him throw two interceptions like those, though. No. The one thing I'll say that's positive because we can't just we can't we can't uh, just totally take down the the best quarterback in the NFL. The rushing prowess has been surprising. It has been warranted. It's been woo. It, re- it reminds me of Justin Fields last year, where you go, you know what? I simply did not know that this player had this kind of stat line in them. Patrick Mahomes through four weeks is now pacing for 98 carries and 655 rushing yards. It salvaged his fantasy days through these first four weeks. Isaiah Pacheco had a great game for the, the Chiefs. He outsnapped Jarek McKinnon and Clyde Edwards Alaire so considerably. He even ran more routes than the two of them combined. That's very good for his rest of season outlook. And after the past two weeks, I think we can probably confidently say that Rasheed Rice is kind of overtaking Sky Moore. Their routes run these past two weeks have been virtually identical, and the production is so, so heavily in Rasheed Rice's favor for targets, receptions, yards. At this point, Rasheed Rice has five red zone targets over these past two games. Anything to add here for for the Chiefs pass catchers? And do you agree that Rasheed Rice has simply just looked better than Sky Moore, who does not appear to be getting open? Yeah, what, what I was going to say was, is outside of Travis Kelsey, I actually think Pacheco's the biggest difference maker on the offense. You know, like, and he's one of my favorite running backs in the league. He he has no regard for his own safety. He knows he's a late round pick, <laughs> and he's got a contract coming up. I love the guy. You know, not even he's he's a Jersey guy on top of that too. So I like him for that. Um, yes, with Rice, we, we we talked about this last week. He's already playing early in his career more than Sky Moore was at this point, and more just you know, I, I haven't seen him really be a difference maker in any 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 phase yet. So they do. I think they need a field stretcher at some point. 
like a real one, not not Marquez Valdez Scantling, like a real one again. But Rice is in a good position. And and let me just say this here for the people too, since we talk about this sometimes. You know, Deadpool joined Taylor Swift at the John, at the Jets game last night. The amount of people that have tagged me in in tweets with Taylor Swift and company just makes me fear for the future of society. There's been like there's been like three dozen of them this week. That's music to my ears. Let's keep getting Ryan Street cred on social media up. You can follow him at Ryan Reynolds NFL on Twitter. His power rankings are hitting the site soon. He's going to be writing up all the key games of the week for his matchups column. And one of his big new things is that at the end of the week on Saturdays, you'll get to see some of his in-depth thoughts on every single game from a, especially from a betting perspective where you really get to know what Ryan's looking for, what he, he might be betting on in these different games based on all the matchups at play. The Chiefs are in Minnesota. When we look at the Vikings, after three games of at least 344 passing yards, which sounds like a joke, but that's real, Kirk Cousins then had only 139 pass yards on 19 attempts in week four. So he finally came back to earth. Uh, Another tough test ahead of him with this this Chiefs secondary. In the run game, Alexander Madison outsnapped Cam Akers 2-1, but fortunately he out-touched him 8 Eighteen to seven. I, if I were a Madison owner, would certainly hope that that continues in terms of the touches. But uh, I'm I'm not quite so sure. the The two to one snaps we we had not seen Ty Chandler at all make a difference like that. So personally, if you asked me for my personal opinion as an Alexander Madison hater, I would say that what I saw out of him is uh, still quite concerning. That Cam Akers got this much work. Both of them, though, were incredibly efficient on the ground against the Panthers. Madison, 17 carries, 95 yards. Cam Akers, 5 carries, 40 yards. Anything to add uh, to the the Vikings here? And what was kind of a weird game for them in Week 4 after three unbelievably high-octane performances? Yeah, first, I'm glad you're sticking to your guns that you still hate Alexander Madison. I like it. I think you're right, too. Um yeah, I mean, last week, I know the Vikings won, but it was kind of a letdown game, especially since they were 0-3, where this week is, ironically, like, they're in a bounce-back spot, even though they won last week, especially on offense. Minnesota's the sort of team where they'll, you know, they'll almost lose to the Panthers when they haven't won a game yet, but they'll give the Chiefs a game at home where I think the Vikings might cover but lose. And I agreed, like, usually I fade the highest game total on the, on the slate. I'm not going to do that this week. There we go, folks. This is the the fantasy points game we've been looking for. The next game, uh, maybe it is another fantasy points game we're looking for. The New York Jets are going to be at the Denver Broncos. Game total is only 42. Broncos two and a half point favorites, but Zach Wilson, he's coming off maybe the best game of his career, and he gets a date with this Broncos team that has decided they're not going to play defense this season. Zach Wilson on primetime last night outdueled Patrick Mahomes in many ways. Completed over 70% of his passes, 245 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. And Garrett Wilson caught nine of his 14 targets, which were both career highs for receptions and targets while playing with Zach Wilson, but still just only 60 yards. The touchdown regression started to hit him. He was targeted twice in the red zone, once in the end zone. But after a lot of early touchdowns, uh, no, no touchdown for him against the Chiefs uh, last night. The one other Jets guy I'll mention is Tyler Conklin now has three straight weeks with at least five targets. Our favorite late round tight end had a, a no show week one. And since then has shown us why we would have hopefully loved him with Aaron Rodgers. Anything to add here about the Jets? I, I am a, an amateur film grinder. I thought Zach Wilson looked pretty good. 
what did you see out of him? Because it seemed like not only did he look pretty good, but his body language on the sideline when they panned to him was very encouraging. Yeah, there was a little swagger yesterday. He gained, you know, I know a lot of people hate the term momentum in our world, but there was some momentum in the middle of that game for Zach Wilson. Here, I'm going to just talk about this whole game from a macro perspective. I don't know what's going on with the Broncos secondary, but this is a game where I could see this being Zach Wilson's highest output for the whole season this year. On top of that, you have Sean Payton just trashing Nathaniel Hackett. So the Jets, you know, the Jets just came off a close game with the Chiefs where they they could have beaten them if a few things turned their way. So they're they're hungry. They're going to take this personal. And again, their offense could actually function against the Broncos if they played like they did in Chicago last year, last week rather. And then on the other side of things, Denver got out of Chicago because Justin Fields basically handed them a fumble recovery for a touchdown the other way. That game was pretty much in the bag until that happened. So Russell Wilson's been good. He hasn't been great. He's had his moments, but this is the best defense he'll face. I could see Denver struggling in offense. Minus two and a half tends to be an underdog spread. They want you to take the favorite. So if I play this game, I'm going to play from the Jets side. That was actually going to be my follow-up question. I haven't pulled the trigger yet, but I have been very, very tempted to take the Jets plus two and a half. When we look at the, the Broncos, Russell Wilson overall was pretty efficient. Uh, though, it, I mean, it was the Bears. This is a much taller task against the Jets ahead of week five. Javante Williams left the game early with a hip flexor injury. We'll be monitoring the situation throughout the week. We'll see if he misses week five. I I put it at 50-50 right now from what I've read. It does not seem like he's going to miss more than one game, if any at all. Jalil McLaughlin and Samaje Pirine, two just phenomenal names right there. I think they'd probably split work in a pretty even committee should Javante miss week five. The big disappointment for me from the Broncos, aside from their defense, would be that Marvin Mims, what, what are they doing? He still only ran 12 routes. That is a new career high, up from the 11 routes from the prior week, which was up from the 10 routes from the, the week before that. Guys, caught both of his targets for 47 yards. At this point, he's still leading the NFL in yards per route run. He's having just a weirdly efficient year, and they refuse to play the guy. Ryan, against a tough Jets defense, they're going to need to stretch the field. Is this finally the week that Marvin Mims is legally allowed to run 20 routes? That's all I want, 20. I mean, my answer is that should happen, but am I going to bet on it to happen at this point? Like, it's just, it's very strange. I mean, he's a rookie, you know, they're bringing him along gradually. So my thought is, yes, it should happen. But yeah, I have no confidence that it actually will. Let's turn to Sunday night football, the Dallas Cowboys at the San Francisco 49ers. This is a marquee matchup, folks. Game totals at 45. The Niners are three and a half point favorites. You got the half little hook right in there. When we look at the Cowboys, we have been very excited about Jake Ferguson. It finally came to fruition in week four. He caught all seven targets for 77 yards. Two of those targets were in the red zone. I had him as a top 12 fantasy option in week four. And I would say after what we saw, he's probably going to remain firmly entrenched in the top 12 rest of season. They beat the Patriots 38 to zero. As we mentioned before, Dak Prescott though, has still uh, really not done much for the fantasy community for the real life community out there. Was this a better game for him after the embarrassing loss to the Cardinals the week prior? Yeah, it was a bit like the Jets game. He played well, but you're still, it's, we still need a ceiling game from Dak Prescott. Let's turn now to the 49ers. Christian McCaffrey has at least 23 touches in all four games this year. Everyone listening probably knew this. 
I, along with pretty much the whole industry, had him as the fantasy RB1 for 2023. But, but, but he is 200 pounds. He has an incredibly long injury history. The San Francisco backup running back, probably Elijah Mitchell, though he's a little bit injured. Maybe Jordan Mason. Those are both just great stashes in fantasy football because we love this offense. And we know that Christian McCaffrey can get hurt when he's getting at least 23 touches in every game at only 200 pounds. Another cause for concern, and I'm just, I'm try, I have to pluck something. We, we love this 49ers team right now, but uh, I am a little concerned about George Kittle still. He had seven catches for 90 yards in week three. That was a game Brandon Ayuk missed. Weeks one, two, and four, he has totaled, in those three games, totaled seven catches and 58 yards. He uh, is still a top 12 fantasy tight end, but I think he is, he's kind of turning into the, the Kyle Pitts in a better offense where it doesn't quite make sense why the usage is like it is. The the offense, though, at least for the Niners, has been so much more effective than the Falcons, which makes me almost more concerned that Kill's usage in some ways is going to plateau. Why would they change up an already elite offense? Ryan, do you have any thoughts here on Kittle, and how do you expect this Niners offense to look against a Dallas Cowboys defense that, again, is missing star cornerback Trevon Diggs, who's now out for the season? I'm glad you asked me about Kittle specifically because this seems like a game, you know, with the Marcus Lawrence and Micah Parson off the edge. seems like George Kittle's going to be used as a blocker a lot in this one. That would make sense to me. Um, this is a great game, too. Like, this is – if you like defense, this might be the best game of the season in some ways. Last year, we saw we saw Brock Purdy. This was the only game he really struggled last year is when they faced Dallas in the playoffs. I believe the final was 19-12. The, the game total at 45 is higher than I would have expected. So this is a game that I'll either bet the under or stay away from. Um, expected to be close either way, probably with San Francisco winning. I'm glad that we have that game on Sunday night because the Monday night game is not as good. It is the Green Bay Packers at the Las Vegas Raiders. Game totals at 44. The Raiders are two and a half point underdogs at home. When I'm looking at the Packers, uh, there's not really not that much uh, positivity to take away when they're embarrassed on Thursday night this past week by the Lions. But uh, Christian Watson, I I thought uh, statistically it was a good debut. He only ran about half the routes. He only had four targets, but he was targeted on 21% of his routes, which is a, a pretty solid number for a field stretcher like him. Caught two of four targets for 25, 25 yards and a touchdown. The one thing that I think we might have learned was that we're, we're excited about Jaden Reed, but we might have to temper that a little bit because Romeo Dobbs was playing ahead of him when Christian Watson returned. Romeo Dobbs led this team with 13 targets, which was a 38% target share. What did you see out of this Packers offense, and how did it look with Christian Watson now in the fold? I mean, everyone struggled against Detroit last week, so... I don't want to quite say I'm going to throw that game away because the Packers are a volatile team, especially on offense, but I'm mostly going to throw that game away. Losing, There's no real shame in losing to the 2023 Detroit Lions, as crazy as that is to say out loud. Um, one thing I'm looking for, forward from the Green Bay side here is they have the long week. They probably have – they're in a position to get healthy now maybe where, you know, Aaron Jones and Christian Watson have missed multiple games, been banged up when they came back in. So maybe if they're at full strength, they can do some damage against this Raiders defense. When we turn to the Raiders, uh, I think we can pin a lot of this loss against the Chargers on Aiden O'Connell, who started for the concussed Jimmy Garoppolo. He took seven sacks. He lost two fumbles. He was killing almost every single drive through those actions. Josh Jacobs, though, I think he was someone that uh, it was very encouraging. I'd mentioned him a couple times 
recently where I said, you know, this is a player. It sounds gross, but the usage has been a lot better than the fantasy points. And that kind of reversed in week four. We finally saw the fantasy points. He scored his first touchdown of the season, 17 carries, 58 rushing yards and the touchdown. But then the real kicker was that he had 11 targets, eight catches, 81 yards, 28 total fantasy points in PPR formats. This is something that I know we've talked about a few times and it once again was true. Oftentimes when a backup quarterback, especially an inexperienced one comes in, they're going to hyper target one or two players. Coaches simplify the game plan. And in this game, we saw it. Uh, Jacoby Myers, absolute non-factor. It was really the Devonta Adams, Josh Jacobs show. The two of them combined for 63% of Aiden O'Connell's targets. I think we're both going to be uh, funny to say, but very glad to see Jimmy Garoppolo return this next week. Anything to add about the Raiders? And can we just throw this game out, given that it was the, we'll call it the AOC game at this point. I actually think if Garoppolo played, they might have beat the Chargers because, like you said, Aiden O'Connell took seven sacks, and I don't think that quite does justice to how poorly he was in pressure management, which is an absolute disaster, where they kept the game close late. Max Crosby had a great game. Max, Max Crosby's awesome, though. But if Garoppolo played, I think they might have clipped the Chargers last week. So in this game, I had this as a win for the Raiders before the season started. Green Bay coming off a bad loss to Detroit has me, you know, more of a coin flip. Might even lean, lean Green, Green Bay's way. But Garoppolo practiced in a limited fashion late, late last week. So it would be a surprise if he wasn't back back in the saddle come Monday night. Yeah, and I think I'd be remiss as a Chargers fan not to mention that six of the seven sacks that Aiden O'Connell took were from one player, Khalil yeah. Mack. Yeah, apparently, apparently Khalil Mack is not washed up. <laughs> apparently not. And that is where we will end the show. From Ryan, from myself. Make sure you're checking out all of our content on the 33rdteam.com. Make sure you're following Ryan at Ryan Reynolds NFL on Twitter. May we all have a monstrous week five like Khalil Mack did in week four. From ourselves, from the 33rd team, thank you.